All right, well, today we are continuing our study through the epistles of John the Apostle, and we have come to the third of his letters and the final sermon in our series. In 1 John, we were introduced to a crisis within the church. False teachers and antichrists were seeking to divide and deceive the people of God. So John encourages the church to love one another and to exercise discernment. In 2 John, we learn that these false teachers have actually taken their show on the road. They are traveling from congregation to congregation, spreading heresy. And so John writes to say, do not receive them. So now we come to 3 John. This is the shortest book in the Bible, which is addressed to an individual named Gaius. In fact, relative to the other letters, 3 John is full of names. The letter is addressed to Gaius. It was most likely delivered by Demetrius. And the content is concerning a man named Diotrephes. In verse 9, we learn that John has already written another letter concerning the situation with Diotrephes, but Diotrephes ignored that letter. So the situation is this. Gaius is acting faithfully by receiving faithful faithful missionaries, providing for them, and sending them on their way. But in contrast, Diotrephes does not receive the missionaries, and he even goes one step further by preventing other people from doing so. In short, Diotrephes is rebelling against the authority of the apostles, and Diotrephes is abusing his own authority. To use modern terminology, Diotrephes is a spiritual abuser. So, I will be talking a bit about spiritual abuse today, um, and, and I want to say this right off the bat. This sermon is not, not aimed at any specific situation or any specific leader or any specific church. It should go without saying that there is, there is no place for gossip in the pulpit. So I'm not, I'm not talking to anyone but the members of Sojourn Oak Forest, all right? The Lord in his providence has given us this passage of Scripture to, to hear from and to dwell upon today. And this sermon is just my honest attempt to draw out some relevant points of application for us. But before we get into that, let's take a look at Gaius. Beginning in verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, these missionaries, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that they may be fellow workers for the truth. When this letter was written, there were, there were many people who were hostile toward followers of Jesus, and the church was facing persecution. So practicing hospitality with strangers was an act of great courage and faith. As we saw in our gospel reading this morning, loving the needy in our midst is the same as loving Jesus. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Of course, this is, this is how we ought to love all people in general. But in Matthew 25, Jesus is speaking first and foremost about his brothers. 
as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So the love and hospitality shown by Gaius is precisely what Jesus had in mind. In verses 7 and 8, John emphasizes that instead of relying on outsiders for financial support, faithful missionaries should receive what they need from the church. The individual members of the church should sacrifice to ensure that faithful missionaries have what they need. And when we do this, when we support faithful missionaries, we become fellow workers, co-laborers with them. We are all called to live as missionaries here in Oak Forest, but we are also called to participate in missions and church planting throughout Houston and all around the world through prayer, hospitality, and financial support. So, having said all that, I do not think it's an accident that we have the McGinn family with us today. Um, The McGinns are faithful missionaries who have come to Houston for a few months for precisely what Gaius was providing. Love, encouragement, hospitality, a listening ear, a humble ear, and, yes, financial support. So whether or not you know the McGinn's yet, we're going to welcome them into our church family by welcoming them into our homes. And as far as it depends on us, let's commit as a church family, to send them back to Europe with everything they need. Amen? All right. Okay, in contrast to the humility, generosity, and hospitality of Gaius, Diotrephes is proud, unwelcoming, and selfish. Gaius welcomes the traveling missionaries, and Diotrephes does not. In fact, Diotrephes threatens to excommunicate those who follow in the footsteps of Gaius. He threatens to kick them out of the church. John writes, beginning in verse 9, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Again, Diotrephes was a spiritual abuser, and we see him failing in five different ways. Number one, Diotrephes likes to put himself first. This is the root issue. Diotrephes is proud, ambitious, and apparently deeply insecure. When faithful missionaries arrive to share the gospel with his congregation, Diotrephes feels threatened. Deep insecurity is often at the root of narcissistic behavior like this. And unfortunately, being honest, the pulpit is a magnet for those who crave attention and control, those who like to put themselves first. When a leader needs to be special, or when shepherding becomes a competition, people get hurt. I want to allow for the possibility that one day you may need to remind me or another one of your pastors of this, and I welcome you to do so. Number two, Diotrephes does not acknowledge the authority of the apostles. 
he ignores the warnings and rebukes of those in authority over him. This too is a mark of someone who is deeply insecure and narcissistic because they, because they struggle to feel special through relationships. They rely upon their position and accomplishments and they use self-justification to combat any criticism. They tend to view people in, in really one of two ways. Either people make them feel special or people are a threat to their position and accomplishments. Number three, Diotrephes is a gossip, talking wicked nonsense against those in authority over him. It's generally true that people in leadership positions are subject to more gossip than pretty much anyone else. Unfortunately, that is also true within the church. But in this case, we we have a leader gossiping about other leaders. And once again, this is rooted in insecurity. When, when a person is addicted to being the center of attention, addicted to being first and special, they tear down other people. They pretty much have to. Number four, Diotrephes refuses to welcome the brothers. He refuses to receive the faithful missionaries who have come on behalf of the apostles to teach the church. In short, Diotrephes was the anti-Gaius. And number five, Diotrephes abuses his authority by removing church members for his own personal gain and self-protection. Because he wants to be first, Diotrephes is jealous of the apostles, so he rebels against them, and he punishes anyone who listens to them. If anyone deserved to be disciplined and removed from the church, it was Diotrephes. And so John expresses his desire to come and confront him in person. Now, it's worth noting that John had real authority over Diotrephes. The the authority that was being ignored by Diotrephes was a real authority. So if we're talking about protecting the church from spiritual abuse, it's important. It's very important that your local leaders are submitting to external authority. You should take a degree of comfort in knowing that there are leaders external to Sojourn Oak Forest who can come in and remove me from my position or remove Eric from his position. Just like here in 3 John, we have a system in place that can stop leaders from acting like diatrophies. Okay, to summarize these five failures... Diotrephes refuses to acknowledge the authority of others, and Diotrephes abuses his own authority. Thus, we all have something to not learn from Diotrephes. Church members should not act this way toward those in positions of authority, and church leaders should not act this way in positions of authority. John says the same in verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. In other words, do not imitate Diotrephes. Imitate Gaius. Do not be proud. Do not, re- do not rebel against proper authority. Do not gossip. To act this way reveals that we have not seen God as he truly is. Rather, we should be humble and obedient and hospitable. 
Now, how can we as a church protect ourselves from spiritual abuse? I realize it's a bit strange for a church leader to be asking and answering that question, um, but I'm going to give you a few tools today so that, God forbid, you can identify abusive leaders and protect yourselves from them. First and foremost, no matter what role we have within the church, we all need to be following in the footsteps of Jesus. Church leaders need to remember that Jesus humbled himself and placed his people ahead of himself. He always acted in the best interest of them. He always acted in the best interest of the church. And like a good king, he was even willing to face death on their behalf. That is what a good leader does. In Colossians 1, Paul writes that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. The Father has given all authority and preeminence to the Son. The word preeminent there is closely related to the word used here in 3 John to describe Diotrephes. Diotrephes wants to be preeminent. But Jesus is the preeminent one. Diotrephes wants to be first and highest. But the Father has given the first place to the Son. So beware of any leader who desires preeminence. Any leader who needs to have the highest and first place, any leader who craves authority and recognition and influence and accolades, that is not a Christian leader worth following because according to John, such a leader has not seen God as he truly is. Christian leaders ought to ascribe all preeminence and authority to Jesus. Christian leaders ought to be constantly giving him the first place. And then, after they had given Jesus the first place, Christian leaders placed themselves behind and beneath the congregation. Mark 9.35 If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. That That is what Jesus said to his disciples as they were arguing over who among them would be preeminent. If if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. But, of of course, Jesus, Jesus was the perfect leader. And it would be unfair and unreasonable to expect perfection from any other human being, especially our leaders. I think we see this principle in, in Leviticus chapters 4, 5, and 6. We find a list of different types of offerings for different types of sins. All right, a few examples. If anyone sins unintentionally, if it is the anointed priest who sins, if the whole congregation of Israel sins, if any one of the common people sins, if anyone commits a breach of faith, if, 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 right? But in chapter 4, verse 22, it reads, when a leader sins. Not if, when a leader sins. Here's the thing. Whenever a person assumes a position of authority, the question is not if they will make a mistake. The question is when they will make a mistake. 
We need to remember this when relating to those in authority. We are not looking for perfection. However, we can know and identify when a leader needs to be preeminent. The desire to be highest and first will destroy the fellowship of the church. That, that is true of every church member, but especially of its leaders. So we should watch out for leaders who lust, who lust for leadership. We should watch out for ambition and pride. We should watch out for leaders who refuse to take advice or receive a loving rebuke. We should watch out for leaders who tear down others with their words. But I think that the most powerful thing we can do to protect ourselves from spiritual abuse also happens to be what John has consistently commanded over and over and over again throughout these letters. That we love one another. The most powerful thing we can do is love one another. That may sound overly simplistic, but here's the deal. Christ-like love, a culture of Christ-like love, suffocates narcissism. Narcissism cannot hide or survive for very long within a community like that. And so the most powerful thing we can do is foster a culture of love, a culture of humility, of forgiveness, self-sacrifice, of deep relationship, deep friendship, of committed, steadfast commitment to one another. As Sojourn Oak Forest matures and becomes all that she is called to be in Christ, we are simultaneously inoculating our, our community against spiritual abuse. And that process, that, that process of maturation begins with you and me, each and every one of us, deciding, making the decision to love others the way Jesus loved others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we live, as you know, in a broken world. And your people, we, are often imperfect. We often fail. But God, we thank you that you have not left us there. Jesus, there has never been a leader more deserving of followers. You are the good shepherd, and we ask that you would please guard our fellowship, guard this flock from predators. And Holy Spirit, inspire us to that love and humility and forgiveness and and self-sacrifice and friendship and commitment. Inspire those things in us um, so that we can be the sort of community that John envisions in these letters. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.